The Holler Kings, where the horrors Southern fried. Hello, I'm Craig. And I'm Adam. And we're the Holler Kings. The motherfucking Holler Kings. It's true. We're two Southerners talking about Southern horror. Yes, sir. Adam. Yes, sir. What's the Southern horror film we're going to be discussing today? <sighs> Man, I got to tell you, we are going to have a long night tonight because we are reviewing 12 hours shit. Yes. I'm just going to have to solve this problem myself. I'm not leaving till you give me a kidney. Bria Grant. Texas native. Yes. This is set and filmed in Arkansas. It is. So this is an excellent choice. This is... That's all I make. (laughs) This is a new movie from 2020. It's available on Hulu. If you want to check it out before you listen to our discussion, discussion, discussion. <laughs> uh, you know, this is one of those things where you watch it and you can't help but think of your own experiences working 12 hour shifts. Cause we totally just had like an hour long conversation <laughs> yeah. about work and, yeah. you know, shared experiences on 12 hour mm-hmm. shifts. So that says something about the alchemy of this movie, I would say. That's pretty sure. effective. Yeah. When did you first hear about this? Why'd you Why'd you bring it to the table? This is one of those that kind of... I'm sure it was uh, an interview with Bria Grant or something where they mentioned it. And so uh, it's kind of been on my radar since then. I knew it dropped on Hulu. And uh, I just hadn't got around to it. And here recently, I was like, you know what? I need to you know, sit and watch that. I don't watch Hulu as much as I should, especially since I have a subscription to it, mm. mainly because they still, pl- they won't give a annual subscription for without ads. They only do it with ads <laughs> and I hate ads. Right. So I don't watch Hulu as much. So I hadn't gotten around to it. And I finally was like, I need to get around and watch that. Um, cause you know, really like torn hearts and like Bria Grant overall. So I was like, ah, this, and I knew it was shot in the South. So I was like, you know what? I know what will get me to watch it. We'll do it for the podcast. <laughs> I didn't realize you'd never seen it before. Yeah, no. No, oh, it's the first nice. time. Yeah, same same here. And this movie is about a woman, I believe Mandy? That is her, yes. Yes. Uh, I only remember it because uh, it's it, as soon as they said Mandy, I was like, oh, that's similar to May. Because right. it's, of course, played by Angela Bettis. And she is a nurse going on to her shift, uh, the start of her shift, 12-hour shift. Uh, She is, I guess, a drug addict who, I guess, uses the money she gets harvesting organs to the black market market to play... Hold on. (laughs) Harvesting organs on the black market to pay for her addiction. So, yeah, and then after one of the organs goes missing... uh, Shit hits the fan, bodies start piling up, um, and it's up to her to kind of try to rein everything back in. Yeah, she she has a uh, accomplice at work, 
that's played by Nakia Gamby Turner. Yes. Her name is Karen. And yeah, they basically conspire, you know, they, they collaborate on the best candidates to take harvest organs from that people won't really notice because maybe they don't have families or maybe it's a certain type of death that, you know, no one's really going to check right. the bodies yeah. that much. My thing is, and I don't mean to overanalyze this movie because I don't think it's that type of movie yeah. where you really have to, you're really supposed to think about the logistics or whatever. One thing you didn't mention, it's set in... 1999. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And yeah. it's close to, you know, Y2K fears and mm -hmm. stuff like that. That's like a little mild uh, subplot and an explanation yeah. as to why they don't have a large police presence. Because apparently, like, all these, like, emergency personnel are training into some kind of Y2K preparedness yeah. seminar or something like that. So it helps explain, you know, some of the weird deficiencies in the, the hospital that night. The, the, okay, this scheme to harvest these organs, mm -hmm. it can't be for organ replacement, right? Like, they're not harvesting organs to literally put the organ in someone else. I mean, I believe that's the goal, but they go about doing it horribly. Those organs would not last. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I guess that's part of the joke a yeah. little bit because this is, you know, it's kind of a Dixie Mafia scenario where these yeah. guys probably shouldn't be dealing in organs and stuff but like yeah like for one thing they store the organs in like just a regular lunch cooler and use cans of coke cans to keep of coke it cool. to keep it cool <laughs> which is funny it's a fun gag yeah but also like the the organs are harvesting from people they're from like sick people sick people so yeah. I, I question and sometimes they kill them in methods where i think it would ruin their organs also like if you if you kill someone with bleach yeah I would think that wouldn't be good for their kidneys. I mean, I'm no doctor, but same, same. I would, I would think probably not. But yeah, I don't. It never goes into anything specific about why they need the organs, but you assume that would be the only reason. And maybe it's one of those things that they don't really care as long as they get the money for the organs. They don't mm. give a shit if they are not good or not. They just want to get the money. I mean, you would think that would eventually come to back to bite them in the but, ass. But yeah, I. I like, there was a part of me that was like, I wonder if it's uh, some kind of weird cannibalism thing. Could be something like that. You know, even, even then, that's then, I gross. probably don't want to eat, you Dead, know, yeah, like, uh, kidneys that are covered in bleach and everything. Right. Or like, people that were terminally ill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a minor thing that stuck in my head yeah. was that, you know, where it was this kind of like anytime they, they had them in the, the Ziploc baggies and right. stuff, I was just like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it leads to a lot of fun hijinks. And, it does. And, and in fairness, again, I, I, this is a heightened reality that you're, I don't believe you're supposed to really take it very seriously in yeah, terms no, of, you know, like so. that would never happen, like yeah. that type of thing, you know? Yeah. It's kind of a throwback to a classic, classic slasher type scenario. For sure. This movie could very much be in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it kind of fits that tone of... Just, just that yesteryear of where you didn't, you know, be, didn't have to be like, I need everything explained to me in great detail of what everything mm -hmm. means. It's just like, oh, this is what's going on. Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, Jason has to fight it off against a Carrie-like character. Sure, why not? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I thought uh, Bettis was really great in this. Yeah, uh, she's I, awesome. I liked her performance, Always. and I really like her. 
right off the bat i liked her just just you know <laughs> how she was talking to a, they have a great opening scene where she's talking to a coworker that gets to go home and she's yeah. about ready to go in yeah. you know to the 12-hour shift and you can just see the animosity of that relationship mm-hmm. which you know if you're only doing that fly-by-night style like one person is free and the other person's about ready to go in yeah you're never really gonna like be super good friends or whatever yeah and i think she plays it really well of just like the just like fuck i don't want to do this sure yeah she plays it so good it's it's a wonderful scene because i feel like anybody i mean really anybody no matter what kind of job you work no matter what kind of hours you work you we all have that feeling of the inevitable doom of having to like step through the doors and yeah. you know put up with it for x amount of hours or whatever even if yeah. it's not a hard job or whatever there's still that feeling you know um and i thought i thought they just captured that lightning in a bottle style like yeah. her acting and the script and everything um it was great you could I, tell you could tell they've worked some 12 hour shifts before <laughs> they, they know like, how it goes i guess filmmaking has versions of that too where it's just True, you know yeah, a grind yeah. it's not know. it's not a, as glamorous as it always seems and i will say not kind of going back to the theme of this podcast uh bettis is from texas mm-hmm. and i i felt like she was very authentic in her southernness meaning she more or less sounded like a regular person. Yeah. You know, there are little inflections yeah. and little moments, but, you know, she didn't uh, pull a Robert De Niro, if you will, with, with I her. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> where he claims he authentically recorded Southerners to get his accent yes. for a certain movie we might be talking about soon. Yeah. Anyway. Pretty uh, sure it was a cartoon, but, you know, sure. Uh, but no, it, it, she does great. It, it's one of those movies where... You know, it's set in the South, and it has a Southern feel in a lot of ways, but most of the, the cast are from outside of the South. She's yeah. one of the only ones, yeah. you know. Um, I do think, yeah, David Arquette is from Virginia, technically. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Which was nice to see. I didn't know he was in this movie. Yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a surprise. I was like, oh, hell yeah. He's a producer and everything, yeah. so he must have gotten in on it pretty early somehow. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was great. Too. I, I, I did too. He he doesn't have a lot of screen time, but he kind of he shines whenever he's on. I was, it was it was nice to see him, and I didn't expect to see Mick Foley either. Oh that was yeah, cool. that was a fun fun moment. Yeah, I was like, mankind's in this movie. It's why I'm not a huge wrestling guy, but I remember seeing that documentary Beyond the Mat. Oh uh, yeah, from the late '90s, mm-hmm. and I'll never forget Mick Foley was still a very young man. And there's a sequence where he goes to the doctor and they tell him, you have the hips of an 80-year-old. Yeah. Like, you are not going to be able to walk soon without some kind of intervention and blah, blah, blah. And then it cuts to him doing, like, some crazy match, you know, a couple weeks later where you're just like, yeah, this guy's, like, running himself into the ground. Mm. So you just see him 20 years later and, you know, he's still out there doing stuff. It's like, ah, you know, I'm glad that you know, whatever measures he had to take that he's still at least able to like, you know, get around and everything. Um, Cause now he has the the hips of a presumably hundred year old man. I would say so. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a fun, (laughs) fun uh, thing to deal with. Yeah. Tell me about, uh, kind of the ex- escalation of this because this is like a spinning plates movie where it, yeah, there's just one at first right. and there's two, three, four, five, and at the end it's like yeah, it's a like dude when are like, they gonna crash? Right, right. Yeah, which they crash pretty quickly because it basically <laughs> it all uh starts with she always she passes off the organs to her uh 
one of her accomplices who mm-hmm. is her <laughs> who ahead, is I'm her sorry. cousin yeah. by marriage um they stress that a lot <laughs> i thought that was a very southern thing too yeah, by oh the way. for yeah, sure it was a nice touch yeah yeah <laughs> and this uh so-called cousin of hers is um to to put it uh succinctly she's a bit of a fuck up yeah and so uh she forgets the organ and uh after discovering that she has does not have the organ to deliver to the scary uh gentleman played by Mick Foley's and Mick Foley and others um she panics to go back to the hospital and get another one mm-hmm. like you know hey could you get another one off the shelf there <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah it just becomes this whole kind of game of how can i put uh for mandy of how can i put out this fire now i gotta get this kidney for her and then we got issues with uh you know um <laughs> my cousin killing people um left and right to try to get a kidney and pulling out like bladders and everything it it, it gets off the rails pretty quick <laughs> and it's mainly the cousin that does most of it well, I thought it was a great gag where, you know, the cousin at one point gets so desperate that she just literally murders yeah, a random straight, person. straight up just like, hey, yeah. guy, come here. <laughs> right. There's a, there's a skater kid in the parking lot, and she murders him, cuts out a body part, puts it in a Ziploc bag. And then, you know, a little bit later in the movie, uh, Mandy, you know, the main character, she points out, and she's like, this isn't a kidney. This yes. is a bladder. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't even get the right, or you killed this guy and didn't even get the right organ on top of it. But I mean, a layperson, it probably all does look pretty close. Like even though they sound like they would be totally different, you know, looking. Yeah. I bet if they're covered in gore and it's nighttime, you would just be like, "Yeah, this is good. This is it." Yeah, let's throw it in there. <laughs> that uh, worked. Yeah. Further, th- further compilation. Uh, excuse me. There's a further complication when David Arquette's character enters the scene. Yes. We have a an inmate that needs medical care. And, you know, he, he's brought into the facility, uh, for whatever reason, he only has like a rent a cop protecting him, I yeah. guess, presumably because of this Y2K convention. So they don't have any I'd real personnel. So, yeah. And, uh, so he's very under, uh, supervised. Uh, there's a couple other kind of wacky, uh, I guess residents or mm-hmm. patients rather. Yeah. Some patients and, and the other nurses. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you got that one patient who <laughs> has nothing wrong with him, but is constantly asking oh, right. for a bed. It, like, opens with that guy almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does, really basically. A fun character, yeah. And hypochondriac that they've yeah. probably encountered many times, so they're just kind of, like, just pushing like, it off away. as much as they can. Yeah. Uh, but the guy, he won't take a hint, and he's, you know, it's wandering like, around the like, facility. I am sick. I need a bed. Mm. And he was always like... Uh, it is just, uh, it's stuffy in here. I'm going to go outside. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. always some excuse to go outside. And then you got characters like, uh, you know, we have after bodies start piling up, we have the bumbling buffoon cop right. coming in uh, to try to figure out what's going on. And mm-hmm. it's just like pretty much him. And he's kind of useless. <laughs> right. So. Right. Yeah. Very uh, ineffectual. And yeah. Yeah. Then you have the Dixie Mafia style guys resurface right he, yeah. yeah he's got to send because he tells uh mandy's cousin that it, she needs to be back an hour and if not he's sending his goon after her mm. drag her he, back by the hair yeah, drag yeah. her back by the hair and so he sends her after him and uh you got 
do you remember the cousin's name? I forget it. Oh, I have it written. Uh, Regina. Regina. The, the actor is Chloe Farnworth. I might be saying that wrong. Who was like great. Yeah. She was fucking hilarious as Regina. Well, you know where she's from? Where? England. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Really? I thought she did a great job. Yeah. I, I did not clock it at all yeah. that she wasn't from... <laughs> She's a comedic character, so she can kind of push it a little yeah, bit further yeah. and everything. With yeah, the she's got a she's got stuff. a bigger accent yeah. than some of the others, but yeah, it it, it kind of fits with her just because she is sort of a sort of you know just a heightened character in her kind of like buffoonery and mm-hmm. her accent down to everything. She's kind of just not not over the top, but just heightened. I thought they also dressed her very well for like a late '90s that, blonde. That's another. I thought. Know. I thought the uh, fashion in this was very '90s, yeah. from what we see, especially with like her and a few of the like the skater dude and all that. It True. felt very 1999. No, they did a great job. I'm, I'm not gonna say I did, but I probably looked very similar to that uh, <laughs> skater dude in 1999. Well, and, uh, I had my boss jeans and my jinkos and pacos <laughs> and all that good stuff. What? And one thing that I love about this, and it's probably a budgetary thing, but it's a blessing, is even though it's set in 1999, pretty sure they never use any 1990s music, like pop hits I don't think, and stuff like yeah, that. I don't th- yeah, probably was just because couldn't afford any yeah. of it. But yeah, yeah, there's it's not riddled. Like, I like the Fear Street movies, but mm-hmm. it's not riddled with like 90s music like that was. And, you I mean, know, or you can do it with any of these like period pieces where they just tack that music on to basically every scene. And, uh, yeah, there, there isn't really, there's not a lot of emphasis to it being nineties. I think that's what makes, what makes it look so nineties is that Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, heightened, like, uh, like if it was early nineties, be like a lot of neon and, you know, uh, grungy type stuff and flannels and holes in their jeans and all that type of stuff. But it's not like, you know, and I love all this stuff too. So I'm not trying to pick on it too much, but like stranger things or, you know, what you're talking about with fear street, those are like the greatest hits for nostalgia. So they'll make sure to go, Hey, remember, you remember you who, and you know what I mean? Like they'll they'll try to like product placement style Uh and make you have a feeling for that time. We're, and it's very inauthentic in a weird way. Yeah. The the biggest issue with that stuff is it you even though you can enjoy it and have fun with it, mm-hmm. you're taken out of it because you know you can tell that it's a present day movie shot to be period. For sure. Where something like this feels very authentic, like to where it could almost be shot in nineteen ninety nine. Well, for sure, because I mean, like, l- let's be real. Like, a movie actually made in its year, they don't do that stuff. Like, they they don't feel yeah, they the don't need emphasize to emphasize things yeah. or whatever. Uh, and they definitely don't have access to like the greatest hits of that era or whatever. You know what I mean? There'd be yeah. songs specific to the movie or whatever. And I, I do think that's why this movie plays so strong because it feels like 1999 without serving it to us. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, and the Y2K talk I thought was fun. And it was kind of peripheral instead of just like shoved in your face over and over. I right. thought it was like really well handled and a very tight script for someone that probably had a very, very modest budget. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say micro budget because, I mean, they still had, you know, some names in this. Yeah, and, and there was some cool good. effects yeah. and all that. 
Um, there were a few moments where I did feel like the cinematography fluctuated a little bit mm. because sometimes it looked straight up like film almost to me. Like it looked very authentic, you know, not authentic. It looked very like a professional film yeah. made by a big studio. And then sometimes it looked straight like video, mm-hmm. like almost like, you know, a modern trauma movie or something. Like it kind of like, it just I guess it depends on the alchemy of the lighting and the location yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and it may have even been a stylistic choice. I'm not really sure. Uh, but I mean, overall, I just, I thought for such a modest budget movie, it's like very legit and felt, you know what I mean? Like it could stand on its own with like any, you know, theatrical movie or anything like that. So yeah. 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 Man, I really loved this movie. Mm-hmm. I had such a blast with it. It, it's just one of those movies that you just you, you shut off your brain and you just enjoy how everything unfolds. And it's filled with all these. You know, we were talking about filled with all these fun characters. You got, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, uh, Regina, the bumbling dumb uh, cousin by marriage that does nothing but get in her own way and unfortunately get in Mandy's way. You got Mandy, uh, who's almost the straight man, like yeah. comedically in this movie because er- almost everyone else around her, uh, the only other person I would say really that isn't there, isn't kind of bringing a comedic effect to it. That's kind of more grounded would be her accomplice. The woman you mentioned her earlier that she, Karen is Karen, the character. Karen. Name. Yeah. That's the only other one that kind of feels like the straight man mm-hmm. to all of it too. Everybody else, even you got like a few nurses. I don't even remember, remember the name. You got one that keeps getting like, uh, I guess it's almost like her, I don't know what it'd be like, um, maybe like a RN or something that kind of tells them what they need to be doing. It kind of mm. sets up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got her and then there's another one who's kind of like that, token white christian woman you know that you'd see in the south uh kind of a busybody yeah yeah in everyone's business and stuff yeah 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 uh then you got arquette and as the you know the inmate and his uh security guard Mm -hmm. and i don't know there's just you just have the uh the straight woman um you know comedically surrounded in this kind of out there type of environment and her just trying to navigate it and all these characters keep coming in and now to frame uh to just kind of shit all over everything that she's done to try to get everything back in place i don't know it's just just really fun and just hit the ground running and it doesn't stop till the end i I totally agree I, i was kind of shocked by IMDb and, you know, Rotten Tomatoes and all that stuff, like audience score yeah. style, or it's kind of modest and to the low side. And I was a little perplexed by that because I don't really know what people think they're getting into. Yeah. Uh, like, I feel like it kind of sets the tone very quickly. So if it's not your your lane, you would easily just, you know, kind of bail out on it. Right. I don't know if people thought it was going to be a little bit more of a traditional like scream style horror movie like a crowd pleasing you know bombastic horror thing and it's really more of a subdued almost like work satire with horror elements it almost it's almost you know? like 
a horror version of Office Space or yeah, something. Yeah, or like yeah. Quirks or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It has Office Space is a better example for sure. Um, so yeah, like I, I feel like if you have the right, and I'm not telling people how to watch movies, but you know what I mean. If you're in the right headspace for this, I can't mm-hmm. see how it wouldn't work for you. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Um, I I just thought it was expertly done. That's, that's I, the only I really thing I could because I know there I've been. Uh, guilty of that like sure watching a movie and expecting something else and not enjoying it just mm-hmm. because it wasn't what i expected it to be but then you can go back and watch it and kind of be like oh okay yeah i see what they did i enjoyed this or whatnot um sometimes you go oh no it was it was still shit uh but yeah no th- this because th- this one this movie is really good and it's yeah. a lot of fun and it's uh down the dialogue and everything hits well it's it moves smoothly and other than like you said some you know you got to suspend your kind of disbelief a little bit with it but like i said you know you can do that with most 80s movies mm. uh it, it it does really well what it sets out to do so yeah I, I don't see how you couldn't enjoy it if you know what you're getting into and this is just something that you don't like because it it is it does have that kind of humor of everybody in this is kind of Gray. There's no black and white type characters mm. uh, in the sense that there's no good and bad. It's just kind of this gray area of people. So I'm really happy that. Am I saying her name right? Bria? Bria? Bria Grant. Bria, yeah. Gr- Bria Grant. I, I'm, I'm really happy to have discovered her early-ish in her directing career yeah. you know what i mean because now we've we've on this show we've done uh, torn hearts mm-hmm. and, and now 12 hour shift and she's still a young you know director uh your age ish right yeah she's i think like she might maybe a couple years couple older years, i was gonna say younger but maybe older but i mean that's kind of yeah, beside the point that she's in her 30s yeah I, guess. I, just, yeah. I just mean she's younger yeah, so yeah for sure there she's is not, she's not 60 yeah you know, so, been directing for a while and whatnot and there's a chance that she's gonna level up soon and I, i'm really looking forward to it like her getting a little bit more of a substantial budget and getting to kind of swing for the fences a little bit more. Uh, Torn yeah. Hearts is kind of like the in-between because it felt like a, a little bit more of a heightened, Yeah, you know, it's a step up from this movie in terms of budget and everything. But again, it had to be pretty tight. It was like in one location, like this 12-hour yeah, shift was. very limited, you know. So I, I, I'd like to see her be able to do something a little bit more unleashed. Um, but we shall see. Yeah, it's, it's cool to like discover people you can follow for a while and you know what I mean? You're not looking back on it. It's like yeah. in the present. Yeah. So I'm trying to think, and I can't think of anything that was a drag for me on this. Like no. usually I have some yeah. kind of criticism, but I felt like the runtime was appropriate. Mm-hmm. I love the closing credits. I thought those were terrific where you discover, Oh, like Mandy, like literally sleeps in her car because right. it's yeah. not worth it to go home. Yeah. It's just kind of like you just sleep and then get up and go through this crap all over again. Yeah. Which I've never done, but I could, I totally get that being oh, like, yeah. I, I'm just going to sleep. Yeah. And then just getting up to go back to her next shift. Yeah. And it's funny too, that she had such a crazy shift, but just the way the world works, she still has to show up for work yeah, the next still day. Yeah, still got work the next day. You know what I mean? You think still of all the stuff money. she went through, yeah. but she's still going to be like, yeah, I'm on probation. That's another thing. I, I don't know if we mentioned She's on probation for probably drug use or something along yeah, those lines. Yeah. Uh, but it's internal. It's not like a criminal thing. It's just at work, they're kind of keeping an eye on her. So you get the idea that like, even though she's going to all these limits and maybe she's kind of like downplaying it, it's actually kind of a, 
what do you call it? She's in jeopardy a little bit. Right. Like her back is against the wall and it would kind of explain why she's in this harvesting scheme to make some extra scratch. And, and it's funny too. I, I thought of a Dementor just a little bit mm-hmm. as well, where it has that kind of feeling of, you know, people being forced into lanes of work where a lot of us, like there's even a scene in 12 hour shift where the cop, it, it, it tells Mandy, like, I can never do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Granted, it's in a scene where she's literally covered in blood and guts. And you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's it's a heightened scene, whatever. But um, Which is a great scene. Oh, it was it's great. It's hilarious. He <laughs> bursts in. Freeze, motherfucker! <laughs> that, that was another, like, kind of subplot or or what do you, kind of a motif, I guess, was ineffectual men. Like, like there's a lot of men with authority that are just... Total straight up buffoons. Yeah. Uh, the rent a cop I thought was a really funny conversation where he's trying to describe all the other events that he gets to do and yeah, he's trying he's to like, just, he's, just like he's trying to make it sound cool nothing. but yeah. it, but it's just not it's just like sad you know I forgot what band it was but at one point he was trying to impress Mandy oh Marilyn Manson he was like, oh yeah he's like oh, you like Marilyn Manson and she's like no not really and he's like yeah, yeah they kind of suck they, they kind of suck but I got to, I got to uh, do security there you know and uh, then he even brings up the urban legend of like ribs removed so that he could go down on which himself, is very you know? 90s yeah. very nice I mean like that was such a prevalent rumor it's hard to look back on and think how did people believe yeah, this stuff like, they thought that the kid from Wonder Years became Marilyn Manson and then took out his ribs <laughs> to his suck ribs his removed. own dick and like how would that even? I mean, I guess Marilyn Manson's the type of person that would like tell people that. It's like, yeah, I totally did this. Yeah, but, I mean, I guess. I mean, <laughs> it's just a very bizarre. Like that somehow would make it possible to do. I mean, I don't know. Sure, you don't know. I ain't got the money to remove my, remove my ribs. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> I would have done it. There's that classic uh, Saturday Night Live sketch where uh, it's like a yoga class. With Will, Will Ferrell. Ferrell. Will oh my Ferrell. God, I, I forgot about that yeah, sketch. Where, where he, 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 he has that moment where he's like, I finally did it. I've yeah. finally been able to stretch enough where I can do this. And he's doing it like in the class. That's another one of those things that I don't think they could do now. It's too much. It's mm. a little too far. But uh, I can't believe they did it back I then. Know, I know. Because yeah, he's literally going literally down a, on himself. It's literally a sketch of him going down on himself. <laughs> Holy just, shit, like, I forgot about that. just talking about the ecstasy of you know being able to do it and... <laughs> oh gosh that's so immature i love oh, it god but uh yeah like like again that was like dialogue driven it's not like again i'm picking on stuff but stranger things there would literally be a guy with like a Marilyn manson like magazine or something yeah. and like you would hear the beautiful people and you know what i mean yeah, like it would just yeah. be so overdone and i'll never forget in fucking fear street when they start a fire and fucking fire starter started. <laughs> I was just like, they're not doing this. They're not, they cannot be on this on the, no-. like maybe that's part of the joke is like how on the nose it is. It's like, like they, the characters are starting a fire and they have, and then it only lasts for like eight seconds. Yeah. That's another thing. It's like, you're literally just throwing that in to get that. Like, you know, the, uh, what do you call it? Endorphins, uh, guess, <laughs> you know, yeah. anyway, Let's stick the landing. Anything else you want to say or before um, you grade it? Hmm. Oh, uh, I guess, I mean, we can kind of get to, I mean, there's not a big, like, this isn't a movie that you can really spoil, I guess. So much stuff happens. Yeah. It's, it's almost, yeah. there's so much going on and none of it's like, oh my God, the twists or anything like this. So uh, really just anything we could tell you is just like, oh shit, I got to watch that. 
because as we mentioned, one of the uh, um, organs goes missing, and then the next organ goes missing mm. because they just keep. I don't know why they keep leaving it by the door, but I f- completely forgot that the organs have went missing because so much shit happens that right. when it comes back around to reveal who uh, had been taking the organs, I was like, oh shit, that's right. Right. <laughs> mm, I mean, you have you have. What do you think? Did you see that coming? No, I had no idea what was going on. I, yeah. I, I really didn't know what was up. Yeah, I, yeah. Figured, I assumed like they had just got like thrown away or something. Mm-hmm. But to reveal, I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, the hypochondriac it was going to the Coke machine and finding them and taking them. And- well, that, that's the only, the only like issue with that, obviously, is that he's found two bags of organs yes. and only comes up to an authority figure after the At movie the is very over. End, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, this character would have immediately, as soon as he found the first one, would go to that front desk and go, like, I found mm-hmm. this. So yeah. it's that's the only thing that was kind of a I mean, I guess we've established that he is maybe not right in the head. So maybe maybe, maybe it's maybe. it's like he would just linger with that stuff for a long time. But I, I would think he would just immediately go straight mm-hmm. to that desk, so it doesn't make that much sense. But uh you know. But then again, after all the lights and everything starts going out right. and the the waiting room becomes crowded, maybe he's just like, uh, I'm going to sit outside for now. Could be. Could be. That's fair. Well, what, what, let's grade this one. What, what do you give it? I will give this easily, without a doubt. I'm going to give it a A+. Plus. Really? I love this movie so much. I could see... My my kind of scale for grading would especially be is it rewatchable for me? And I could see myself rewatching this one over and over. It was just so much fun, and I love Angel Bettison. Anything she's so great. I love all the side characters. This is just one of those great movies that are just filled with all these memorable characters. And so it's why I love something like Friday the Thirteenth Part Five so much. True. There's just all these memorable characters. It's a lot of fun. It, this movie was funny and dark and fucked up. And, uh, yeah, I, I just loved it. I'm going to skew a little lower and give it like a B plus. Cause I thought it was really, really well made and really yeah. good. But, but I have to acknowledge it probably wouldn't be for everyone. I for feel like sure. an A plus movie for me needs to be like something that would have mass appeal yeah. kind of, yeah. uh, or be super personal to me. And that this one doesn't quite hit either one of those, but it was definitely, you know, upper tier, you know, indie movie with an original voice, an original premise. And, you know, I would totally watch a sequel if they decided to do another 12 hour shift, 13 hour shift. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. Uh, you know, pick up where it left off or just a whole nother scenario, whatever, but good stuff. Yeah. Cause I love that. It wraps up. Um, this movie almost wraps up like a sitcom where basically everything is back to the same. Yeah. As we started. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. You have Mick Foley, you know, jaunt back into the, it kind of implies he's going to handle things personally. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Other than a f- couple of characters who are no more, uh, in the movie. Yeah. Like everybody else is kind of like, okay. Yeah. 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 We, we, we hit the reset button and we'll start over next week. So that's it. What, what is it like a B? No, I gave it a B plus. You gave it an A plus. I would say that'd be like a straight A, right? Just okay. like a solid A. That sounds good. Um, so yeah, definitely a big recommendation from the Holler Kings, 12-hour shift, available to watch on Hulu. Check it out. Watch that shit.
On every episode of the Holler Kings, we do a little segment called Holler at Your Boys. Holler at your boys, y'all. It's true. This is Open Topic, where we bring anything to this big old table. Anything and everything, baby. Just flop it down on the table. I, ooh. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to flop it down first. Uh, I, I just wanted to acknowledge uh, the passing of the last great classic era monster, the Universal Monsters. This would be Rico Browning. And I apologize if I'm mispronouncing his name. I'm a little shaky on it because uh, yeah. it's a really unique, you know, name, uh, Rico. I think that's right. But, uh, you know, he played the Creature from the Black Lagoon in all three installments of that series. He was always the underwater uh, version of the creature mm-hmm. because he had a special talent of being able to, op- uh, excuse me, special talent of being able to uh, hold his breath for up to five minutes oh, damn. underwater. And he also kind of helped spearhead a lot of techniques for underwater photography. He kind of became like almost like a Jacques Cousteau type of figure where, uh, you know, he became based in Florida and did a lot of like, um, like he created Flipper for television. He was involved in a lot of like underwater stunts for like James Bond movies in the 70s. Oh, nice. So, you know, he was like a really substantial guy and, and had a lot of like, you know, bona fides or whatever. But, you know, obviously Creature is, uh, Gilman is like a very iconic movie and character. So he was always kind of like identified with that. Right. Um, and he's the only person to play that character all three times because the, uh, the land version was always played by a bigger man because Rico was like, I think he's like 5'9 or something. Yeah. Like kind of, you know, kind of a smaller guy. So they would get like a huge dude to play him on land to kind of be more imposing and stuff. But uh, if you watch those films, I mean, the way he swims underwater is just, it's beautiful. I mean, that, that's part of like the alchemy of that uh, character and why someone like Guillermo del Toro fell in love with it. And it kind of ripples through his movies with aquatic characters and monsters that are underwater. Yeah. Hellboy, um, Shape yeah, of Water. Shape of Water. And... Not specifically Hellboy, Ape Sapien, but yeah, right. from the no, Hellboy movie. for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that's one of the things that appealed to him about Hellboy was that character being in it. But um, anyway, it's just, it's just one of those things. I mean, he had a great life. I think he was 93. Hell um, yeah. Well, yeah. hell yeah. That's, yeah, it's, it's a great. When you, when you hear about so many people going at like 50 and 60, and sure. you're just like, fuck, that's so young, man. Yeah. See somebody like make it that long. That's awesome. And he, he did like the, uh, the whole convention circuit for many yeah. years. I think he only stopped doing it pretty recently, like in really? the last two or three years. So obviously he had good enough health to enjoy his life and, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy people, you know, wanting to meet him and, uh, you know, and so it's just, this one of those things I just wanted to kind of acknowledge. And also he was a Florida guy, so it kind of grandfathers into, right. you know, the Southern angle a little bit. But uh, anyway, uh, rest in power. Yes, sir. Mr. Rico Browning, bucket of win, and thank you for everything you did for cinema. Absolutely. And for monsters. Monsters everywhere. What about you? There would be no Monster Squad without you. This is true. Uh, Me, I don't have anything uh, poignant like that. But um, I did have... I wanted to recommend a documentary. Hmm. One that wouldn't really fit for us to uh, review. um, But it kind of has some ties to 
the South. So I figured I would just use it here. Uh, this is a documentary. Uh, yes, it's In Search of All-American Massacre, The Lost Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, interesting. Is this new? Uh, it is. Yeah, it's fairly new. I forget the exact. I think it was like 2020, maybe. Mm. But yeah, it's a documentary that is. Here, let me get the exact year. 2022. Yeah, mm. it just came out last year. From director Edward Payson. Uh, but it's basically about this um, take this movie called All-American Massacre that uh, was filmed, or at least the majority of it was filmed back in like 1999, 2000. Sure. And it was uh, supposed to be a sequel to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh like basically written and directed by William Hooper, Toby Hooper's son. Um, Bill Mosley was back in it as Chop Top. Uh, Buckethead played Leatherface in oh. it. <laughs> um, I think I think that's mainly because he of the connection with Mosley, because Mosley and Buckethead played together and kind of were in a band together and hmm. stuff. Uh, but yeah, it was like this. They just made this like kind of uh, low budget sort of sequel to the movie so unauthorized sequel type of thing unauthorized i guess in the sense that maybe the studio didn't but i mean he w he was toby hooper's son and toby sure. hooper like came to set and i guess gave him his blessing and all that oh. so uh but it's it's weird that it's it this movie was shot presumably all of it or at least a good majority of it and then it just never hmm. nothing ever happened with it never came out and this documentary kind of goes in search of like trying to figure out what happened why it hasn't came out uh like nobody wants to talk about it they even try to get mosley to uh come on and discuss it and he declined to and uh they only got like one guy that's playing the movie i think he plays uh if i remember correctly it's been a few weeks since i watched the documentary but I think he played um, Grandpa in it, if I remember correctly. Mm. And uh, he's the only one that they could get to come on and talk about it and kind of talk about the making of it and stuff like that. And he, he really doesn't even have any rhyme or reason as to why it never has come out. But I thought it was I thought it was fascinating. And, it, you know, you see some footage of the movie, and it, it, it looks pretty cheap. But it's just one of those things that... You, I don't know, I just have a fascination with stuff like that, like these time stamps and just like, even if it's awful, just like to be able to experience that and watch something that, I mean, feels like it had a lot of passion to it and it's a this untold story that we never got and it's just one of those things you kind of just want. It's like the original cut of like Wes Craven's Curse or something like that. It's just something that you want to be able to experience, whether it's good or or bad, you know? Did the footage from the... They show footage from the film, I'm assuming? They, they show some, because there was, like, a trailer that was... The, the, that's one thing they kind of cover in the documentary. There there was a trailer that was released back in the day. Um, so there's footage of that. And there was, like, uh, this storage um, unit that was sold off and was possibly selling some of the footage from the movie that was sitting in this storage unit and they tried to buy some of it. Some of it was sold off and I think they got a little bit of it, but it wasn't a whole lot of it or something. Um, so yeah, like 
it, it's I don't guess it's a thing where it's like completely lost or anything. It's just never been released out for people hmm. to watch. If you had to speculate, why did no one want to come back to talk about it? Do you think? I, just see, based on what you saw in the documentary, like that—that's what I can't figure out. Because huh. from the one that they got, it seemed like everybody had a good time on it and everything, uh, for the most part. So I, I can't understand. I don't know if the only reason. I, there's also a couple people that passed away. So mm. I mean, it sure couldn't really get them to talk about it. But Toby Hooper's son is he still active? I don't think as far as like in like mainstream or yeah. anything like that. I mean, I don't know what he does right now, hmm. but I don't think he's ever made anything else. Not that I know of. Uh, Interesting. I don't know. It's it's and the the website for it has went kind of live and then kind of fallen off and then came back and stuff like that. There's always this tease of like it's going to come out, but and I don't know if it's just one of those things where. He's like perfectionist, and it's just not right, you know. Mm. And it's just one of those—I mean, it's one of those things where you gotta eventually just let it be what it is, True. flaws and all. But I don't know. I don't know. But I thought it was a fascinating—you know—it only runs like an hour long, so I mean, the the beginning of it's kind of slow, because it's just people, some of the talking heads of people talking about their love of horror and how they love Texas Chainsaw Massacre before they really get into like showing a lot of the footage of it or talking to the actor that was in it. Um, but it's still a short documentary. It's like an hour and seven yeah. minutes. But I don't know. It was just one of those things that fascinated. When I first heard about it, I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> yeah. I don't remember anything about this. And this, you know, it was like in the terror teletype on, in Fangoria back in the day. But I, I, I didn't really remember anything about it. And I was fascinated that it had Mosley in it and all that. Mm. But I, I don't know why he wouldn't talk about huh. it. Oh, I don't know. Well, where, where can you watch this? It's on Tubi. Tubi. Yeah. And say the title one more time. In Search of All-American Massacre. Double check. I'm pretty sure that was it. That's a good title. It was called yeah. All-American Ma- uh, Massacre. All Am- yeah. That's a cool title for yeah. a Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. like sequel. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I guess it doesn't have the marquee value though, because I guess Maybe because studio it's not Texas. Yeah, Chainsaw. they always want that in there. I guess. Yeah, but yep, yeah, in search of all American massacre, the lost Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know why haven't they ever done a sequel where they go on the road? Yeah, that would be cool. That would even be. if it was all still based in Texas, but just have these guys in an RV. Yeah. You know, make the scenario, it's like they have to be on the road, you know, almost like Devil's Reject style. I was going to say, you know? Zombie kind of did his version of it. I guess that is it. true, that's true. But, but to have, like, actual leather face mm-hmm. and, like, Chop Top running around yeah. and all that. That'd be interesting. Be, it, it would be fucking wild. Yeah. It'd be better than the sequels they've been giving us all these years. Or even have them end up in, like, a very urban area, and they're, like, out of their element and freaking yeah. out a little bit and maybe yeah. overreact to certain things or, you know what I mean? Like, you kind of have a fish-out-of-water scenario. Yeah, could you imagine, like, Chop Top just picking his fucking plate with a, <laughs> with a uh, wire hanger and just in the middle of, like, I don't know... Uh, a busy street somewhere or, in the city or something. Or even in, like, the suburbs. That would be kind of fun, too. Yeah. They end up in, like, this, like, picturesque suburban nightmare for them. Yeah. Where they're for, just yeah. like, where are we? You know, yeah. like, 
Uh. Leatherface gets a job <laughs> trimming hedges. Or, or he, yeah, like he goes to like uh, like you know one of those like uh, you know upscale coffee shops, and he's yes. all like waiting in line, you know, yeah. <laughs> scratching his plate, you know, like. No one wants to see that shit, though. <laughs> we just we just described a sequel no one would want. I don't know. They watch all the other ones. Mm, true. All right. So that does it for the Holler Kings. What's next up for us? We are going to review the 1990s Martin Scorsese. Mm. I don't remember the exact year. but 1991. 91. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Uh, Scorsese flick, Cape Fear. It's true. Next time on the Holler Kings, Cape Fear. Thank you for joining us, Adam. Thank you for joining me. Sir, thank you for having me. <laughs> I appreciate it. All right. Until next time. Y'all come back now, you hear? Oh. <laughs>